Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Hour number two is here from 6th and Peabody in Nashville. OutKick 360 rolls on with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow back later this week. You can hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. Four-time Stanley Cup champ, Darren McCarty of the Detroit Red Wings. He will be on the show today. That's in 20 minutes. And in the third hour, coming up in about an hour and a half, Mike Pereira from Fox Sports and the USFL. He is the head of officiating for the United States Football League. We'll dive into some rules and changes, adjustments that they've made, both in, during the season and maybe what he foresees being a hit or something that the NFL can latch on to more long-term. We'll, we'll get discussion on that, plus some some officials that will be new to the scene but with the same last name. Oh, God, let me have that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, let you've got it. Let me have that. You've got that with Mike Pereira. That's, uh, that's coming up in hour number three today. Uh, John Morant not expected to play in game four. I keep refreshing the story because that's been the headline now for the last 24 hours. They play tonight. Grizzlies taking on the Warriors. Um, not going to play due to a knee issue. At least that's the expectation. Um, where Jordan Poole, uh, many of you have seen the, the replay by now, and what's been a physical series, going for the basketball, you can see the eyes on the basketball, reaching and latching on to Ja Morant's knee and pulling it back. He definitely pulled and tugged Ja Morant's knee. Now, what we don't know is, was there a previous issue with the knee earlier in the game that you know got worse because of this? Um we certainly don't know the intent, but you can argue that on a lot of different things. And what for for what has been a very physical series where we've had two ejections and we have seen guys uh, miss time uh, for more egregious things than this, Paul, I'm surprised that Poole's not facing some type of discipline. When I first saw this, I'm thinking, ah, no big deal. Like th- this is, uh, Poole called it a basketball play. I wouldn't call it a basketball play. But I would also say it was not with ill intent. But at the more and more I watch it, and knowing that Morant is a superstar that's uh, likely going to affect his game status, I, I see where many fans, both in Memphis and on, um, on the periphery, just watching this series, if you're not a Warriors fan, you're likely saying, look, the way this series has gone, there should be some discipline with this. I call it odd behavior. Oh, it is. I it, agree. It is odd and bizarre behavior. It, it, and it's not, uh, it wasn't a huge tug. No. I think he just found his hand near his kneecap and. and he pulled his knee. You know, I mean, we all it's, do. It's odd. We all do like strange stuff sometimes where we wonder like, why did I do that? And, <laughs> and that's what he did. But when all the cameras are on you and it's the star player of the other team and uh, he maybe already had a knee tweak yeah. and it's a series with some injuries and some stuff about breaking the code, which Morant, by the way, tweeted 
and then deleted. I'm sick of athletes deleting their tweets. Either say it or don't, or don't. say it. Um, and he, he's doing that because that's what Steve Kerr said happened right. with Dylan Brooks. But, um, you know, the more you look at it, the more it's weird human behavior. And, um, look, they got blown out pretty much after oh, he was routed. out of the game. Um, and they don't, they're not in very favorable position no. now no. if Morant's not playing. And Morant, odds are, is not playing. So this series that was very compelling – is going to be very not compelling. So I think those that say, well, the, the Grizzlies were 20 and five. That was their record without Ja Morant down, down the backstretch of the season. That's true. Um, I'm going by what I've seen in this series. Morant has played in 115 minutes total over the three games, and Memphis has outscored Golden State during that time by six points. When he's off the floor, in the 29 minutes, Morant has been on the bench and been sitting and getting a breather. Golden State has outscored Memphis by 32 points. Yeah, That's the difference right now in having him on the floor versus not. Well, it's the, I don't go back to the 20-5 and five record. No, I don't either. And now that they're down 2-1, this is a massive game if he can't play. Here's the only thing I'd say, and I, don't, I expect Golden State to, to win and win handily if he's not out there, but at least they come in now knowing he's not going to be there as they did – during those games in the regular season when he was out as compared to losing him during the course of a game and in an odd way. Um, now, I, I know you'd like it to be the same, but it's not. They've had a couple days now to prepare, expecting him not to be out there or knowing it's a, a strong possibility. And when they knew he wasn't going to be out there during the regular season, now a lot of those games probably not against teams the caliber of right, playoff right. Golden State – but they've at least had some time to psychologically get ready. Uh, this felt to me, Hutton, and I imagine you the same, like home court was going to be a big deal anyway. Um, so I don't... Uh, and then the game one victory by the Warriors kind of flipped yeah, that. Yeah, flipped it. So they get, they're going to need to get one. This would have been the one. And um, now they're in, in trouble. So they really need to rise to the occasion without him or he needs to pull a, you know, a better than Willis Reed, Willis uh, Reed. Um, and I, I don't foresee it. I saw, I saw a, a replay on, on Twitter someone put out of, here's where John Moran actually tweaked his knee. And it's a, it's a sideline, far sideline thing where you can see like he's hobbled a little bit. How now, did he play between that and this? Do we um, piece that together? I think all this happened within relatively short Couple minutes. Yeah, short term uh, on the clock, on the game clock. Um, but when you see it, you, you can see he's favoring his knee a bit. But the, it, I mean, to say that Jordan pulled did nothing, I mean, I think you're being a, a bit disingenuous. He did something, ill intent or not, he did something to Morant that. I mean, if we're just going by how the series has gone, uh, every minute detail of the physicality is being analyzed and overanalyzed. I don't, I mean, normally I'm for the vigilante justice of this. I don't know how the Grizzlies get back the, what Morant meant to them by, you know, uh, fouling hard or whatever. And I realize they're getting, they're getting some of their enforcers, quote unquote, back on the court tonight, but I, I don't think that plays a huge factor now. I think the vigilante justice part, and this is from, a, you know, 80s and 90s Knicks fan is going to the basket. Yeah. Punish guys going to the yeah. basket. But when you're tugging on a guy near midcourt, you know, or outside the three-point arc with, with his back to the basket, 
on a loose ball, that's a different deal. Yeah. And and it's just a, it's an interesting scenario that the, the league is faced with where they have to determine, you know, punishment or not. And then, and according to all the reports, Poole is not going to face any punishment. Well, I'd like to forward. see Poole going to the basket tonight yeah, for exactly. the first time. Exactly. Uh, what a, the, the series has been, I'm shocked, quite frankly, by the Suns and the Mavs. And we've got the full schedule coming up this week for the, for the NBA playoffs. But this series is now 2-2, headed back to Phoenix. Um, a series that I thought was over in four or five games is now all of a sudden uh, intriguing, to say the least, with Doncic and, and, and others just coming to play. Uh, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith for Dallas. Killer. Uh, the, the full schedule both tonight and moving forward um, you got some series that are tight window series now uh, across the the association, uh, led by Phoenix and Dallas. Which Paul, your your sons, they need a big victory moving forward. Monty Williams made a mistake last night, and he left Chris Paul in the game in foul trouble, and uh, it bit him. and And Chris Paul wound up playing twenty three minutes. Twenty three minutes as compared to uh, I don't know thirty seven for Luca. I think Luca wasn't. Uh, look, the highlight reel, and I, I didn't see the game. I saw the highlights. Made it look like he was doing anything he wanted. Falling away, swooping one-handed underhand. It didn't look like Phoenix did a very good job of bodying him up and doing a good job on him. But you look at his numbers. He's 9 for 25. He's 1 for 10 from 3. It was uh, Finney Smith who was out of control. 8 for 12 from 3 for 24 points. I don't see him doing that again. Now, the Suns may lose again, but they're not going to lose in the style that they lost this game again, I don't think. Paul is going to be on the court a lot more, and Finney Smith is not going to shoot 8 for 12 from 3 again. No, uh, he's, uh, Paul's got to stay on the floor. He fouled out in just 23 minutes, and they are now 0-14 in his career whenever he fouls out of a game. And Monty so Williams said he made a mistake by leaving him on the floor with too many fouls to get himself in trouble. You you just, no matter how careful you are, too many things can go awry. Um, Jason Kidd's got his team playing really well, and they, they rebounded at home. The home atmosphere for Dallas was outstanding, except for the fan that went after Chris Paul's wife and, and mother Now, did yesterday. you see the video of the person who was ejected? Yeah, it was like a... It's a teenager. Yeah, it was like a... Look like an 18- or 19-year-old kid. His mom escorting him out, and Chris Paul saying to him, I'll see you later. Yeah. I'll see you later. The kid might be 14. I don't, I don't he know. might be 19, I, but I, he could be 14. He could be, whatever the age, uh, pushing Chris Paul's mom behind the bench and, and being ejected, I mean, tells you he did something that he wasn't supposed to I be doing. There's something fishy about it. And listen, the Mavs put out a comment and said it's unacceptable, it can't happen and all that, and they're going to police it. So I'm not suggesting it didn't happen because the Mavs put out a comment and – and say it happened. But in the video that you see where the security guy's talking directly to the young man, and then the young man's leaving, and his mother is following him out. I know. It's just amusing to say. I'm not, <laughs> not taking Day. it seriously. Yeah. For Mother's Day, Mom, you get to escort me out of the arena when I'm tossed out for uh. laying hands on the star player's mother and family. But there's a son's guy in a jersey, like, right next to them. And I can't imagine that this doesn't escalate in some way, shape, or form, I, where I if he's doing something to the star player's mother and family, that the Suns fans who are right there 
are not in turn laying hands on him. I'm not saying beat the hell out of him, but I'm saying get him the hell out of there and restrain him or do something. I would imagine if, if you're telling me this happened and then you're bringing me in on a video of it, that the big dude in the son's jersey is holding on to the kid, at right. least, for the security guy saying, this is the dude. I'm holding him here for you or something like that. And there was no such thing. It was very calm. It was. Surprisingly uh, calm. Except for Chris Paul. Yeah, so right? Chris and, Paul and, and is hot. His, his reaction was, was warranted. There was a timeout, right? If, yeah, if you turn around and you see what's going on, he said like one of his, one of his kids was looking back at him and you could tell something scared. was off. Um, Reportedly. Yeah, and they, they, his mom was pushed. His wife was, was some, uh, again, like this is now the second straight series where we've seen the player fan interaction. At some point, this is going to boil over because, you know, you, you had what, what went on with the, the, the Brooklyn Boston series, which, I mean, that's, that's just players giving the double bird to fans and fans, you know, dropping F bombs back to the player. But again, the courtside element of this is what's different from the NBA and these other sports, where you've got the guys paying premium price to sit right up next, not just an earshot, but like within reach of a player in some cases. And when you have a family involved right behind the bench and uh, you've got a guy shoving a woman, and again, like it's, it boils over at, at some point. And it's it's not going to be pretty when it happens. What time of the game was this? Do we know? Because he's in close it was proximity. Second half, I believe. He's pissed. If he's fouled out already, you know he was on thing, the bench. Yeah, one thing you think is well, the guy's on the court. You know, it's a ways from the court to this. But mm -hmm. if you're on the bench and this is happening right behind your bench, you know, and what are they? Four or five rows up? Five, six maybe, rows up? Maybe, yeah. I mean, he could have very easily gone up there if he wanted. I think he, he showed some once restraint. he tried to, and then they were trying to calm him down. Keep in mind, Chris Paul is also he's either the president or vice president of the NBA Players PA. You know, so he's asking for. He's like, there there needs to be more restrictions here. If if you're asking us, if we're getting fined for yelling at fans, there needs, there needs to be more punishment for fans that are doing this in the crowd. I don't disagree with him, um, quite frankly, uh, based on what happened here and the way that the security treated this guy, which was he was ejected from the game or at least moved from the game. But, but nonetheless, I'd like uh, to hear from the kid's mother, a situation where um, it's just one where I, I don't want things to get ugly with it, but eventually it's going to happen because you're going to have the fan who's going to be intoxicated um, to an extent where they're not going to care what net, what the next step is, which is probably talking back to the player and then, confronting the player instead of vice versa. I, I pray that uh, it's settled down somehow before. Um, because what's going to happen when it escalates is that the player is going to go after the fan yep. and the player is going to look bad. And we're all going to say, I, I, I will. You can't let it get to that point no matter what. No matter how much a fan's instigating. Um, you can't go up into the crowd. But I, I, I'd say that now I'm thinking, well, if you're putting your hands on my mom, yeah, yeah it, I can go into the crowd. This is different than a, uh, you know, walking the corridor and having popcorn poured on you. Like or a, or somebody a, riding a, you the whole game reaction. when you're shooting three for no, 20. No doubt. No doubt. Um, how about the finish to the Kentucky Derby? Fantastic. And, and look, I didn't watch it live. It's the, it's the greatest two minutes in sports. That's how it's billed. It's also the perfect link for social media and Twitter. 
And, you know, I, I was over at my sister's house for a Mother's Day dinner, and everyone there was saying, hey, you know, who won the Kentucky Derby? And I said, it's probably on right now. And so I immediately get on Twitter and start scrolling through. It had just finished. And that's where I saw that an 80-to-1 odds horse came storming back to win, and you can see the, the replay. The race is perfect for social media. I would, I'll go to the Kentucky Derby. I've never been. But it, despite it living up to the hype and expectation – I still don't view it as appointment viewing for me on this Saturday in, in May. We both said we didn't see it until I, – I didn't see it. I, my kid had baseball all day Saturday, like literally all day. We got to the park at 9-something, and we got home at 10-30-something. I, oh, yeah, <laughs> I saw it then. I got to tell you about this last game. It was unbelievable. I, I saw it then. It is – I am as cynical as, as they come. I, there is stuff that tugs at people that doesn't raise my heartbeat a notch. This was breathtakingly it was awesome. awesome. It was awesome. And the overhead shot where they have the arrows on the leader and on this winner coming from behind makes you feel like you're watching like Secretariat. It, it is was like a movie. Just, yeah. It, this is a movie race. It is unbelievable how far this horse comes coming from the furthest out all the way to the rail, finding a path along the rail through a crowd and closing with so little space to get in front of the two horses he beat at the end. It was absolutely breathtaking. I cannot wait. I haven't had a chance to show it to my wife and son yet to to show them and get their reaction, which I'm sure will be even more than mine. It was otherworldly and uh this horse deserves uh, i will read a a 10-page feature on this horse well i mean between now and the preakness well depending on what happens moving forward it is a movie in the making because uh rich strike the horse who won was not in the field until friday another horse pulled out and Rich Strike was put into the, the race on Friday and then won the Derby after the final turn. I don't know how many horses were in front of him, but after the final turn, uh, just took off and, and 80 to 1. It's the biggest upset since 1913. Looked like he got wise. hit by lightning and, yeah. and went. And he was like, what, a $30,000 claim horse? I don't know. We, like, yeah. we were talking about not understanding the terminology and all that. You want to know the horse game. Yeah. You or Chad said that. But – I mean, that horse was worth $30,000 not that long ago. Imagine what that horse is worth right now. Well, they won at least 1.8 off the winnings. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, when he goes to stud, whenever that time is. There you go. He's worth a lot of money. And if he goes and wins the Preakness now in, in a, a secondary miracle, um, you know, or the, the God willing, the Triple Crown, I mean – there's the story. That was something of a whole. May 21st, by the way, is the Preakness. So two weeks away from seeing what Rich Strike ends up doing after pulling off the upset. I'm eager to see what the odds are for him to win the Preakness. If he was 80-1 to one to win the Derby, how drastic of a shift is there? Uh, because all the money is going to pour in on him. I feel right? like Rich Strike is the wrong name for a horse and the right name for a bowler. That should be a, a bowling name. I don't know. I, I I'm looking up the names of all these horses that in the, the one that he replaced. Um, Rich Strike. Uh, How big Ethereal was the Road was the, the horse who was a late scratch that allowed Rich Strike to be in the field. There you go. 
I, I agree with you, though. Like, not having seen it live doesn't feel like I missed out on anything. No, because you can go back on replay and just watch this, this comeback the entire time. Um, but, you know, if, if someone on social media says, hey, the Preakness is about to run, I'm flipping over there, right? Oh, yeah. Coming up, uh, we switched gears a bit. We're Time to talk some playoff hockey. Um, but look, we, we know uh, the physical nature of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It hits high gear this time of year. No one knows that better than Darren McCarty, four-time Stanley Cup champion. Big event uh, coming up at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in his city of Detroit. We'll chat about that, but also... These Stanley Cup playoffs where the series are tight, but the games have been blowouts. We'll get Darren's opinion on why that might be. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360, uh, excited to partner in the last couple of weeks with Ryan Kane and Jim Porter. Jim Porter, the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also, Ryan Kane of Fund Recovery and Hall of Fame Health. They had an event here in Nashville where uh, plenty of former and current pro athletes were on hand to help out the official nonprofit of Hall of Fame Health, which is Fund Recovery. Fundrecovery.org is the website where uh, you can learn more about the, the next event, which is coming up this Thursday in Detroit. Darren McCarty uh, is going to join other Detroit sports legends this Thursday um, to help raise money and awareness for mental health treatment. Um, across the nation, and uh, this is taking place at the Eastern from 6 to 10 p.m. in Detroit, and for more information on how you can be a part of this, if you're in the, the Detroit, Michigan area, fundrecovery.org, and the money raised stays in Detroit to help local families who cannot afford the addiction or behavioral health treatments, uh, because Hall of Fame Health is more than just helping out former players within the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's it's about much more than that. For more information on fund recovery and how you can apply for financial help, visit fundrecovery.org. And with that, we say hello to Darren McCarty, who joins us via Zoom. Darren, great to have you on the show, man. Hope you're doing well. Absolute pleasure and uh, appreciate that. Yes, this being uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May, and it's the closest thing I'll get to being a uh, NFL football player. I never played football growing up. I grew up in Canada. I played rugby, but uh, I think mental health, you brought up such a great point and it just goes to show what the, not only the NFL is doing, 
but the way that we could combine this, how we're all affected by it, whether you played hockey, whether you played football or whether it's life. So a lot of us who've experienced mental health, and I know that uh, my brethren, NFL guys of Braylon Edwards, Calvin Johnson will be here with me. Also an Andre Risen, former uh, NFL guy. But the whole thing is just now that we are combating uh, our mental health and getting healthier or being able to feel it's so important to give back to our communities. And, you know, Detroit is Detroit made me Detroit is my home. I consider myself Detroit's favorite stepson. So to be <laughs> able to give back in, in any way possible uh, to these, these things, like you said, mental health, which is big that everybody goes through. So to me, it's about connecting the compassion and I'm honored to be a part of it. Hope it's a great event. Uh, last eight games in the Stanley Cup playoffs, 6-1, nothing. I know a lot of these series are in good competitive places score-wise, but it seems like a lot of the games throughout the entire playoffs have not been close, which traditionally they are. What's, what's your thinking on why it's been going this way? You know, and I have so many, I have a bunch of different things to say, but let me start with this. To win a Stanley Cup and to be successful in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you need three things. Goaltending is A. Staying healthy is two. And then you need the bounce, the break, uh, the puck luck, as we call it. Um, and that could be by, by a team hitting a post on your end or by you squeaking in a goal let's just say that should never have gone in. That's playoff hockey. So let's go to uh, the number one thing I said, goaltending. Go through these go through these playoff teams and look at the starting goaltender's salaries, right? The first one that comes to mind is Andre Vasilevsky, right? He's the king down in Tampa. He's got the belt. He's the guy that doesn't lose back-to-back playoff games, which is also a key. If you don't do that, if you don't lose two games – back-to-back, and you have home ice, well, you're going to win. But the rest of these guys aren't proven. I would say maybe the the next most proven guy that I have confidence in is in Calgary and Markstrom. But other than that, it's sort of up there. We've seen uh, Shesterkin as the Rangers up for the Vesna, and he faces 70-some shots. But again, I think, first of all, to answer your question, Tyler, it comes down to because goaltending is not there and also goals are up. Let's be honest. There's one series that you could say is done in the first round, and that's Colorado-Nashville, sorry to say. But Colorado's on a mission. Um, If it means anything to anybody, uh, I had the the LA Rams preseason 12-to-1 Super Bowl favorites, and I also had the Colorado Avalanche 9-to-1 Stanley Cup favorites, right? So they're on a roll. But other than that, I mean, some of these other series in the uh, the one night, they're all tied. The other night coming down tonight, they could be. So to me, it comes down to number one, it's the goaltending. Then you look at injuries because most of these goaltenders are hurt. So to me, it's so up in the air other than the Colorado uh, series. Um, there's so many, so many big big games and the one that I have my eye on the most tonight is the Calgary Dallas one 
because Dallas is just getting it done. They're getting it done. So Calgary's got something to prove. And then obviously Florida, you know, that president's trophy, is that a curse? You know, getting to that next level. Are they suffering what Tampa did a few years ago versus Columbus in the first round? So other than that, guys, all I know is it's there's been some entertaining and exciting games, but really they're all up in the air. The enforcer, Darren McCarty, our guest, four-time Stanley Cup champ, Speaking of that enforcement, Darren, um, the, we have seen a resurgence in old school hockey. That's how I would term it here in Nashville, where the the Preds led the led the league in penalty minutes based on fights. They they had more than fifty fights this season. Um, that would be a throwback team, is how we would term that in today's NHL. Can a throwback, physical, tone setting fight team like that? win in today's league does the is the nhl set up for a team like that to to have success long term well in order for them to play that way is they have see in today's nhl right in my day let's go through the uh late 80s 90s early 2000s uh it was all about size i mean you wouldn't even look that if you weren't six feet well the new size is speed Right, so all these guys that are playing tough and playing abrasive and on the edge, the rules have changed, but I believe that they can, but then it comes down to goaltending. And yeah. on the other, see, all these guys have to be able to play. You can't have a guy on the end of the bench that plays three minutes and just comes out and fights. He's got to be able to skate in this league. He's got to be able to make himself um, available. And that's why the caveat pieces, the special, the special guys come playoff time, rise to the front. You look at a guy like a Tom Wilson in Washington, you know, plays top minutes and he's sort of that abrasive guy. Now, when you said 50 fights back in my day, that was a combination <laughs> of two guys on a team had a total of that. Yeah, yeah. But you're talking a team now so that you can see how it's changed, but I don't, I think it's, it's coaching. And I, and I believe that what Nashville's up against is a team of destiny in Colorado and a team that where you see what I'm talking about is that if you're going to take the trade off to being tough and big, well, today's day and age, you need that speed. And the Colorado showing you that all over, all over the ice. But um, with the right combination, I think they can be done because I just think that for lack of a better term, it's just more of a bad matchup for Nashville than it is for Nash Nashville you know, being down as much in this series is just Colorado knows what they need to do because what they've experienced in the past, they know they couldn't get off to slow starts and stuff like this. And Nathan McKinnon's on a mission. Who, who matches up best with Colorado moving forward? Uh, because you're right. Every, everyone going into the series, those previewing the series, I read somewhere where someone gave the, the Colorado like a 34% chance to sweep Nashville. And whenever they discussed the Preds, they said 0% chance that they can sweep uh, Colorado. And I'm thinking, well, there's always a chance. And they're just snuffing it out immediately. And Colorado has lived up to every bit of that expectation here. Well, yeah. And it, and it comes down to the Alberta team, right? And which one? Who do I think plays Colorado better or go run and gun? is Edmonton, but Edmonton doesn't have the goaltending. So I think that that would be, if you saw a Colorado Oilers series, um, I think that you would see a throwback 
series to what you're talking about with all these goals scored. I would take the over in every game, you know, whereas you see a Calgary that plays them would do that more like Calgary. Let's just say to your point about Nashville, the fifth Calgary's like to me, a more refined Nashville too, that they got the scores, but they play that tough lower scoring that they can get you in that bind. One thing that you have to do to high scoring teams like Colorado or Edmonton is frustrate them. How do you frustrate them? You keep them off the scoreboard, right? So it's, it's all about sort of matchups right now, but if you want the run and gun, you want to see them play, play Edmonton. If you want to see, them sort of get frustrated in sort of that battle grind, lack of better term, war series, then you want them to say play Calgary. But in saying that, it's a, it's a team on a mission. And, you know, and I always thought going into it that a Florida Panthers-Colorado finals would be epic. I don't know if Florida's going to get by Washington. Hmm. We saw Barry Trotz uh, work up close here at Nashville for a long time. Saw him... Uh, skate a cup in in washington lou lamar and it seems universally beloved lamarillo uh is it conscionable what he's uh, he's done a down year uh with the islanders when they went on a long long road trip waiting for their building to be ready had some covid issues one down year and he's out the door well you know what is that a battle of you know barry trotz one of my favorite guys in hockey i never played for him or whatever but just from running across them and from playing against them and just conversations on practice days and stuff like this just to i I have the utmost respect for him and as a coach and i think it's just i mean it's lou lamorello and barry trotz so i mean do you not think that it got to be more of a my way or the highway because you know that Lou's going to win that way. Lou Lamorello's, you know, the, the Scotty Bowman-esque. So at the end of the day, I think it's more of a change. I think it's, you know, more of a he didn't deserve it. I mean, you look at the, the let's see, wins the coach of the year and then his two exits are to Stanley Cup champions. So I think it's just a different direction Lamorello wants to go. And I think more of this at this time, it's more of a respect thing. So, I mean, you know, that's a guy, that's a guy that here in Detroit immediately, when you hear that, I'm sure Steve Eisenman and Barry Trotz will have a conversation whether or not he'd be the next coach, but he instills a lot of things that this Detroit Red Wings youth and this team could use from a guy like Barry Trotz. So you never know. They're McCarty. They don't tell me anything though, guys. Trust (laughs) me. They don't tell me nothing. They say I'm a Chris Draper told me he can't tell me nothing anymore because I'm media. And I told him, I said, seriously, I'm media. That's the nicest thing you ever said to me, bro. Thank you. <laughs> Four-time Stanley Cup champ, Darren McCarty, our guest. Darren, I, I asked this. I genuinely don't know. I'm not trying to start a riff here. Um, the NFL players that we've had on discussing the mental health awareness and, and issues say that the NFL does not do enough. And they point to the fund recovery and the Pro Football Hall of Fame partnering to, to help out in certain areas like raising money and awareness that you'll be a part of this week. Is the NHL, for lack of a better way to explain this, better at that with with former players on par with what the NFL is doing? Uh, How how would you gauge what former players would say uh, about uh, the mental health awareness aspect of what players go through post-career? 
Let's just say there's progress, but there's never enough from anywhere, especially the 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 monoliths and the and the, the megalith of the NFL to as big as we all know um, that machine is, and to the NHL too. So so as I can say, is there progress being made? Yes, but is enough being done? Absolutely not. But they'll never be, right? Because I think that I just think that uh, from living in it and through it, that uh, as the human in me, yes, okay, I can see as long as there's progress and stuff like this. But no, there's not enough because there's too much. There's so much money, and and for what? Not only the guys that have played have sacrificed, but just people in general. I think there can always be more done. Now, I'm honored because this is, see, this is a start. This is something that's a start. And I'm honored to be a part of the NHL, um, being an NHL uh, alumni, being a part of uh, the NFL doing this. So maybe that's the start of bridging it together with some of us that have benefited, right, from the love of the mental health that has been giving back. So now it's like replanting the seeds in the community and stuff. So to answer your question, I don't, I never think that there's enough being done. I could say there's progress, but, but there can always, it can always be moved faster when it comes to this, because we all deal with mental health. I think that the awareness to it and the conversations we're having, the fact that we're open about it, talking about it in the middle of, of going through, you know, lack of a better term, the most stressful time uh, of a player or even a fan right, is, is playoff season. So I think it's a great thing that we're making great, great strides in it. And I do, and I am grateful for that. So I'll be continue here to, to, to wave the flag. And like I say to everybody, um, I'm either here to fight or answer your questions, right? That's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight or answer what do you mean by that because that's where we're at. Funrecovery.org is the website for more information. Fund Recovery is the official nonprofit of, the, of Hall of Fame Health. Uh, the mission to make treatment affordable to all. And uh, Fund Recovery has already awarded over a million in grants to help over 580 people across the country who are looking for access to mental and behavioral health care that they otherwise could not afford. And the walk and talk of Detroit is where Darren McCarty will be this Thursday. If you're in the Detroit area, tickets and more information available at fundrecovery.org. He'll be joined by Calvin Johnson, Andre Risen, Braylon Edwards, and others. Josh Landon's going to be the MC. It's going to be a great night for a great cause, uh, just like it was here in Nashville, and there will be other events like this coming to a city near you soon. Darren, have fun with this, man. It's a, it's a great event here in Nashville. Uh, Ryan and his crew, Lauren, they do a fantastic job with this. Wish we could make it, and uh, hopefully down the road we'll, we'll meet in person soon. Yeah, that'd be great, guys. And uh, appreciate your support. Love your show. Uh, you know, all that stuff. And uh, I mean, you guys, we got Hockey Town. You got Music City, baby. That's right. Thanks so much. That's right. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Darren McCarty has been our guest. Yeah, it, he's right. Yeah, he's either fighting or he's answering your question. And I'm glad we're on the second yeah. end of that aspect uh, for We've sure. Got a good buffer between. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I like what he said, too, about the goaltenders because they're either injured or they're not at the caliber that, uh, that poses well for consistency, right? Uh, coming up, those VHA, VHS tapes that, that I certainly grew up with, Paul owned a ton of them, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. um, are, they a, are they worth a fortune? 
sitting in your closet for those of you who still have them, like my wife Claire. Uh, <laughs> we're about to find out with some details. Uh, that's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your old VHS tapes may be worth a fortune if you have the right ones. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network with Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow back later this week. Uh, so next star, this pop culture um, site where you can go and sell stuff like old Nintendo games, they found that those who collect these old video games also have stacks upon stacks of VHS tapes. Um, Claire's certainly in this category. While she doesn't collect video games, we have stacks upon stacks of VHS at home. A lot of them are Disney. And I think nationwide, a lot of people have Disney VHS. What you would not have are the B-level movies that were not converted to DVD because they weren't pulling any money as a VHS to begin with. Therefore, making that VHS much more rare if you kept it around. I don't know what you have in your stack, Paul, but there's an auction coming up next month in June where those that are a part of this auction, Heritage Auctions, they're saying that they'll find out just how much of a cash fall they're about to have with this. I've got the Ken Burns baseball series. That's cool. Yeah, Still shrink-wrapped, I'm sure. And I think some Seinfeld. Other stuff's all open. So I, I think they're looking for, you know, wrapped, unused stuff, at least initially. This is the first of its kind, the VHS-only auction. I think it's ridiculous, by <laughs> the way. This nostalgia for old technology stuff is ridiculous because now there'll be a boom in VHS players. And who the hell wants a VHS player? It's inferior. By the way, who wants a DVD player? streaming has overtaken all of this stuff. And I think it's ridiculous that you would want to go back to something that's inferior. The same as I think it's ridiculous to go back to vinyl. Like that, that, to say, oh, listening to vinyl is better. Yeah, vinyl, which is crackly and does not sound as good. That's why we advanced to CDs, which sounded better. Yeah. And then when we advanced to streaming, which sounds as good as CDs and is also more convenient because you don't need a physical product. So it's gotten better. So I don't really understand the nostalgia. Look, I loved, as a kid, buying a record album and sitting down and looking at the liner notes. But I also understand that time has passed (laughs) and things have changed. So I can't force myself back into the 1980s where I rode my bike to Record Center and bought the newest record. Here are some of the titles uh, available for auction um, through Heritage Auctions. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1986. Big Trouble in Little China from 1987. Carrie, which came out in 84. I thought it was later than that. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Dumbo. I said there weren't uh, Disney. Dumbo's on here. Um, not sure why that's the one they chose, but that's, it's, uh, oh, it's Mickey Ornament Gift Wrapped, Embossed. Oh. I guess that's rare. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Little Shop of, of Horrors. Um, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. 
uh, Princess Bride, 16 Candles, and Transformers Volume 1, which is nothing like the, the mega series that you're thinking of in theaters. I mean, there I think go. Uh, go look and see what you have. Beavis because and Butthead Do this, America is on. <laughs> if you've kept this in your closet all of this time, uh, you know, and you can get some money for it now, more power to you because where it has belonged all this time was in your trash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but you probably put it in your attic and it probably melted or froze by now. But, you know, it's just, I would say the same, same would go for like the Beanie Baby craze of the, the mid-90s where everyone was collecting these, like, oh, one day this is going to be worth oh, a yeah. fortune. People that kept their VHS, um, those cassettes, uh, they believed, if you're col- like, not just collecting them, but kept them thinking Long that enough, one day you'd get back to it. Back. If you buy into you the whole right. vinyl craze, maybe you do get back to this. The key is, who kept a VCR? Nobody. Uh, nobody kept a VCR. I don't have DVD players anymore, do you? Um, I may have a DVD player. I mean, I might have one in a closet. Yeah, in a closet. But uh, have you had occasion to pull it out for anything? No, of course not. No, and next time you (laughs) clean out your closet, you'll throw it away. I mean, our laptops won't even play CDs anymore. No. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, I I, I have no use for it. Uh, It takes up way too much space and an effort to keep these around in order to think that you're going to cash in long term. But people, I mean, I can name multiple people who have closets full of these things. Which, if you're able to find the rare one, maybe you're, you're in, in luck. They, they think this auction, which is in a handful of titles, is going to pull around a million dollars. The people who are buying these are fools. <laughs> fools. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, it's the 84. David, what can we put you down for? What, what movie do you want? Goonies? I, oh, no, I would love to have The Princess Bride on VHS. Why? That's, that's available. The, that's the, uh, because it's one of the greatest movies ever. Well, I love The Princess Bride also, but that's I'm not the compelled only one, to own it. That's the only one that I would have ever owned at some point. By the way, it's these, it's these rare editions. I don't know what it was about Carrie, which came out in 76. Uh, Davey, uh, he's got us on lock on, on that detail, but it's the 1984 version for whatever reason that people want to buy. I have no idea why, but if you've got it, you Hold could be, on. You could be the next Magic Johnson. Or send it to us. In the invest we'll put in, it on display. Invest here. in the next NFL franchise based on what you can make off the VHS. Hang with us.